Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. This week, we're going to be looking at draft lessons, trends, zones in the draft that aren't just where running backs die. Uh, yeah, I went back through DLS ADP from 2014 to 2022. Obviously, we can only use 2014 to 2021 since we need to know what happened the next year in order to look for trends. Um, and I found several zones that repeatedly offer somewhat of an edge, especially if you, I think, use it right. So let's do that. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat. When the mass not adding up, you said I'm checking it out. I'm just Welcome to the ground. Okay, so the first thing to know about this is it does not replace individual player evaluation. We spend most of the offseason and most of the season actually trying to crank out different ways to create an edge, whether we're looking at career year, draft round, hit rates, predictability of certain stats, and the repeatability of certain positions. All of that provides individual analysis on a player in specific situations and places in their career and how likely they are to succeed or reduce. Uh, reduce? drop in production or drop in overall dynasty value. I want to want to take a more holistic approach where it's kind of startup season right now. Rookie drafts are done. People still want to draft. So they're starting to ask me questions about how is this startup looking or what should I draft in this round or that round. And so I wanted a, a kind of holistic way of saying what you should roughly be thinking of in different areas of a startup dynasty draft and um, based on what has happened more often than not. Um, and there are very clear sections of a dynasty draft per DLF ADP, which remember is only based on of a six round um, mock draft sample. So it's always going to have variance, and you have to know your league. And again, inside an individual range, even in the running back, the feigned running back dead zone, um, you have to take player context into account. You know, Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette being drafted outside the top 12 running backs this year in Dynasty is much more a product of Dynasty whims and follies about age than it is about their likely production in 2022. And so you have to apply that individual understanding of different players in different areas. But I want, I think this provides a, if nothing else, um, where should you lean if you can't make a decision? And so I was going to run through the zones, mention the players currently in May ADP and DLF um, that are highlighted by those different areas, um, and just maybe talk about draft in a startup draft in general through this lens. Um, so yeah, let's go. Uh, I've separated out the first round from all the other rounds just because I think the first round clearly 
is very clearly a different proposition to every other section of a draft. The first round is very much a dealer's choice kind of area. If in doubt, go wide receivers. Wide receivers repeat or maintain that draft round, the first round draft round in a startup ADP the following year, about 52.6% of the time since 2014. That's the highest repeat rate in terms of draft round um, that exists in this 2014 to 2021 sample. Obviously using... 2022's May ADP as last year's repeat rate, so it will update by the time we get to August and more draft trends occur. But yeah, that's the best repeat rate, so lean wide receiver, but running backs, honestly, they repeat or increase in draft round about 43% of the time. So while that's a significant difference, obviously when you're applying individual player context or understanding to an actual pick just within the first 12, um, I think it's pretty easy to see that you can definitely... And I do find drafts where I go running back in the first round of ADP. A lot of times that, that's represented as a player that falls in ADP to you or just applying our basic understanding of the career arc of running backs in general. Now, I'm going to go look at the first round of May ADP, but I just want to point out tight ends are often drafted in the first round. We have a few years like 2017 where we didn't draft a tight end in the first round, but there's typically one, slightly less than one when you look at the average because of those few years where we didn't. And what's noticeable to me is even the tight ends, the Jimmy Grahams, the Rob Gronkowski, they fall by at least around the following year. Now, they hang around. That's the thing about Travis Kelsey, very likely to score great points and in fact be the tight end one next year, but starting to fall in value because of our love of Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, and, and even to an extent, uh, George Kittle and Darren Waller. And when that fall begins to happen, in terms of dynasty value, which a startup dynasty draft is very much, um, as FS Spaceman once said in a podcast and kind of solidified a lot of different things I've tried to say different ways, it's about m not mitigating risk, but managing risk. And dynasty drafts or dynasty, fantasy football in general is about going all in or staying all out. It's about choosing where you're going to take your risks and just doing that. It's okay to overdraft a player if you know the bet you're making. It's okay to underdraft a player um, if they fall onto you, but only if you know the bet that you're making. In either case, if a player, if you reach up for a player or you let or you take a player who just because they're falling in ADP, there's risk and then it can feel bad to draft a player just because he fell in ADP and then him bust even though you kind of felt like he might anyway. And the same with reaching up for a player that you're strongly convinced should be being drafted higher, and then you find out you could have got him slightly later based on how the rest of your league would have felt about it, and it turns out that it was a risk. Either way, those feelings kind of have to be left aside. You do have to reach for certain players, and you do have to select certain players. This year, Jahan Doxon falling to the late first round, it's a good value. Uh, a lot of people are getting in the mid-second sometimes in their rookie drafts. I don't particularly, I'm not a fan <laughs> of Jahan Doxon's profile. The player, I'm a fan of all players, but I don't see uh, a likely expectation that he's going to produce significantly for fantasy. But he's a first-round wide receiver who has decent college statistics. I think that's a player I'm okay drafting if he falls to me. In fact, I feel fairly confident in that just because... Not all of them are Henry Ruggs, frankly, and, or, or uh, John Ross last year. Sometimes you just take the hit rate and, and the likelihood of success based on something that has significant signal. 
Uh, other times you're allowed to fade it if you prefer a decent player that's still left on the board and you don't think he's going to be available on your next pick. So where was I? Right, fantasy football is about accepting the risk and deciding where you're going to take it, not about trying to avoid it completely. And I think that's what Space Man was saying on that podcast, and it's certainly what I'm trying to say here. So, in the first round of ADP, if you see a rookie tight end, you have to apply context. Uh, Travis Kelsey is currently not being drafted in the first round. And what's notable about tight ends the first time they're drafted in the first or second round of a dynasty startup ADP, it's kind of worth going in on. Now, we have seen a few fallers. George Kittle obviously jumped into the first two rounds fairly quickly after his breakout year and then has since declined, but he still maintained that top five value and you'll still find him relatively easy to trade and relatively hard to trade for in most leagues because we know he's good and he's still within the prime of his tight end career on a good team. So, Right now, Kyle Pitts is being drafted in the first round of May DLF ADP, and I would kind of believe it. If you're on the clock, and he has quote-unquote fallen to you, but you don't normally take a tight end, in the first round, based on the history of ADP, I very much think that's a very strong pick. Now, some people will say it's be all in on that or all out on that where they want to take their risk but where I try to play the middle and mitigate risk, and the first round, based on the history of ADP, is very much there's not a strong inclination to position one way or the other. Running backs hit less often, but it's relatively slight when you consider the the, the stakes um, of the first round of a startup ADP. It's literally the most valuable thing a dynasty asset can ever be, that first round pick um, in your startup draft. And so the stakes are pretty high, and I think uh, it's okay to wave away the 7% difference between running backs and wide receivers there. Having said that, tight ends who were drafted in the first round, only maintain or increase in value about 25% of the time since 2014. But we do have all those significant Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham years in there towards the middle to end of their ultimate fantasy ceilings. So I think that's swaying it a bit. And when you look at George Kittle and even Darren Waller, who's sticking around in value and tradeability, um, and Travis Kelsey, you can see that even if they do drop, that tradability, that value is still there for tight ends who jump into that range. And so Kyle Pitts right now is a very interesting prospect. He's currently ranked as Dynasty tight end one. He's like redraft tight end three or four, but he does have tight end one in his range of outcomes. I think it's probably Travis Kelsey, and I typically take the discount in trade. But in a startup draft where I'm mitigating risk, that first round is very much dealer's choice. There's no strong inclination for me that you definitely have to draft wide receiver or definitely have to draft running back. I lean wide receiver because of that extra and <clears throat> the highest rate at which uh, any position repeats or maintains value uh, through any of the draft rounds since 2014 to 2021. But if Kyle Pitts is there, I'm not scared to take him. And if you're a fan, if you think he could definitely maintain his production or at least catch a touchdown or maybe two next year, I wouldn't feel bad about it, despite that lack of repeat and maintaining value in that first round. Now, looking through the rest of the first round, there's a strong difference in the type of running backs that exist. There's Christian McCaffrey, who I'm very much all in on for 2022, but in Dynasty, mitigating risk, not mitigating risk, but managing it, I don't think I'm drafting uh, Christian McCaffrey in the first round of a dynasty startup, that's too much risk considering the lack of ability to change your roster outside of through trade and rookie drafts, and so I'm normally fading it. Now, could there be a draft where I go three running backs deep? Am I zero RBing dynasty? Not really. I lean wide receiver, especially in the first round, and especially through the first three, to be honest, which we'll talk about in a moment. But if 
Jonathan Taylor forced you. Najee Harris even is being drafted in the first round right now. DeAndre Swift and Javante Williams, I feel less secure on, especially in terms of finishing in the top five, but I think their value is going to maintain consistently. They'll be part of that 43% of running backs that maintain or increase, not that you can, in being drafted in the first round. I'm okay drafting them. However, if I'm not, or if I want to look somewhere else, I will lean wide receiver. Or even, in this case, Kyle Pitts, because he's a tight end, and I don't think that 25% repeat and maintain rate at tight end is truly accurate through the period in which we have to look at, because of Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham's fall-off through those years. All right. Um, So, yeah, through the first three rounds, I can definitely see myself going... three straight running backs if Jonathan Taylor falls to you with the third overall pick and then you get back on the snake draft and Brees Hall's still there which he should be per ADP I can understand going running back that's a young running back who probably should be projected in the top 12 in dynasty there's relatively little risk even Trent Richardson if you can remember back when actually had a really good first year so even the worst case scenario for a running back the first overall running back drafted in the NFL um, maintains value even if you want to trade him a- after that first year, and that's pretty much every running back after their first year, which is helpful since running backs typically break out a little early, and so you can expect more from him in the first round. In the third round, if it comes back round to you, that third pick, you're pretty much looking at a plethora of older running backs with Avon Kamara, Nick Chubb, and Dalvin Cook. But you could also reach on someone like, uh, looking real quickly, Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, if you're a fan, I don't think I am, or Antonio Gibson are always drafted in the next round. Now, that would be strongly reaching up for a player, but if you've already started off two running backs deep, I kind of understand pushing the position hard and trying to go all in for 2022 and flip them for value relatively quickly, which is why I would start to look down deeper in the overall ranks of ADP for a young running back who should still have a good, solid top 12 outcome. So yeah, I I will often or will go heavy running back in a dynasty startup, but it's about what type of risks I'm willing to allow uh, to fall to me and which ones I'm going to reach up to take. Now, back to that first round uh, zone of a dynasty startup. It is dealer's choice. Those repeat rates don't really tell us much, especially considering the exceptions at tight end through the time period we're looking. And I think we should strongly believe Kyle Pitts is going to maintain a similar value um, Evan Ingram didn't shoot up this far, nor have really a stronger rookie season, even though I do like to compare it because that's fun for me. Um, and you can use general dynasty understanding and specifically player understanding um, on your individual pick to go running back or wide receiver. But if you're asking holistically, in the first round, you should lean wide receiver. If all else is equal, if you have no strong decisions or strong opinions on the players available in that range, I would strongly lean wide receiver because they do repeat or maintain value significantly more than any other position in any other round, um, in the first round of a dynasty ADP at least. And again, you can do that somewhat selectively since we are drafting older wide receivers in the first three rounds as well. And that goes to how your draft is going. Is the draft going heavy 2022 or is it going heavy value and all those young wide receivers are disappearing quickly? So I might want to reach further down and grab my youngest underdrafted value, someone like Jalen Waddle. He's being drafted inside the top 12. But being slightly underdrafted, would you consider he had an on-par season to Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase is pretty much the first or second overall pick, and Jalen Waddle falls into the third round somewhat. So again, choose your pick, who you're going to select or trade out, based on who's available. 
but the general trend of the first round is to take the strongest player with dynasty value in consideration. Now, when we slip, when we group round one to round three, that represents an entirely different section of a startup draft to me. Just rope the first three rounds together instead of separating out that first round. This is a wide receiver zone. Again, where I'd lean wide receiver in the first round, I would heavily advise having in mind drafting wide receivers in the first three rounds. Unless something like I, what I described to you with those top three running back picks that you could easily get um, if you had the third overall pick in most drafts right now. Occurs, wide receivers repeat at a higher rate. They repeat f- or increase in value 42.9% of the time, whereas running backs only increase or maintain value 39.2% of the time. We know there's injury risk and a risk of younger running backs, even a Brees Hall, somewhat disappointing earlier in their career and then being less likely to break out as their career progresses. Now, Jonathan Taylor also had a difficult rookie season, and so it also depends on the player themselves. That's where you apply that individual context. I think Brees Hall is a strong running back one when we're looking at rookie drafts because there's literally no other 101 in rookie drafts. But I don't think we feel as excited, even though I think he's just a stronger candidate, as Jonathan Taylor. Both were drafted in the second round, both have similar production profiles, and both have uh, strong landing spots where they should be expected to get top 12 workloads and produce at that level. But I do sense that Brees Hall is less hyped than Jonathan Taylor and might not maintain his value as well if he struggled a little bit with uh, uh, Naheem Hines sucking up a significant percentage of the receiving touches or targets. Um, if that happens with Michael Carter. I don't think so. I think Brees Hall is a top 12 running back and will be well, well, what's the word? Well suited, no, well um, served by drafting him as such in the late second round as the way ADP looks. But it is worth noting that since we lean wide receiver, I would strongly advocate leaning wide receivers. If you feel unsure, all unsure about uh, a rookie running back on the Jets, it's not a bad time to lean wide receiver. And I might find myself doing that, especially depending on how my first round worked out. And so through the first three rounds, I think we should strongly lean wide receiver. All three positions offer a pretty good repeat and maintain because ADP is actually fairly accurate. We have gotten increasingly better at it as well. One of the things you notice between 2014 and 2022 is that we're increasing and decreasing the number of wide receivers and running backs we take much more often the further our ADP selections get. From 2014 to now, we have learned a lot. We've learned to adjust um, draft rates a little bit more frequently depending on the player pool rather than sticking with pure running back or pure wide receiver. That's what I see typically in the data. Since 2014, we average about five running backs and taken in the first round, six wide receivers, and slightly less than one tight end. As I mentioned, occasionally we do, occasionally we don't. But if you look at that uh, on a year-by-year basis, we were strongly drafting running backs much more heavily through the first two rounds <coughs> through 2014 to 2017, and then heavily led wide receiver almost excessively so through the first three rounds, and then slightly came back to running back. And then this year, we've actually adjusted over the space of a year where we're actually we've actually pushed the top 12 wide receivers above the top 12 running backs. And there was a brief period of time 
even in Dynasty where we were drafting 24 running backs before the first top 12 wide receivers had gone off the board through the first three rounds. So you can see us adjusting to this uh, over time and getting much more comfortable with adjusting to how we draft positions based on the player pool available rather than sticking to our guns and about our ideas of whether running backs give us extra T or wide receivers give us extra smarts. Neither are true, and so it's really not really be a factor strategy is only as good as it's not led by different parts of your anatomy i guess anyway so the first round represents a different kind of proposition to every other round in my opinion the first three rounds wide receiver gets the edge but again depending on the nature of the draft you should adjust to it but wide receiver definitely gets the edge now when we get into rounds four to eight that's the next significant and easily uh, groupable section in dynasty adp and rounds four to eight actually relates similarly to the running back dead zone I've mentioned before um, and has been talked about ad nauseum in DFS and Dynasty and Redraft and everywhere else. It's where the return on drafting a running back seems to drop off. This is what I related to, we used to talk about a few years ago, where top 24 running backs are strongly overrated. That's back when we were drafting top 24 running backs before the first, before the first 12 wide receivers were off the board. Now, it's not just because of the rate at which we predict them, although we actually predict the top 5, top 12, and top 24 running backs at a similar rate between wide receiver and running back, again, based on ADP to actual outcome in that position year from my NFL database. But it's also that top 24 running back points don't matter as much because wide receivers scoring equalizes and overtakes running backs sooner than you think. It's really around running back 11 to 14 that wide receivers' points per game actually overtake running back. And that's why wide receivers tend to win the flex in flex decisions, even though it feels kind of our kind of counterintuitive because the running back volume is more assured. They're going to get touches, whereas targets seem a lot more volatile. Wide receivers hit their points per game or above their points per game much more often than running backs within every positional category I just mentioned, which means not only do they score more points, they also score those points more often on a week-by-week basis. So running backs in the top 24, outside the top 12 or outside the top 10, weren't just being overdrafted relative to the positional uh, category of wide receiver in a startup draft they were also being overvalued in terms of what they could actually produce essentially we were trying to draft more top 12 running backs we were taking shots earlier because of the positional scarcity of those early running backs but we were not hitting on them at any greater weight than wide receiver so we were drafting them earlier and getting no more accurate at finding them so even though we were paying up essentially we were just washing out in terms of that value proposition well, it's a good idea to overdraft the top 12 running back to that, to spend that risk or that reach on getting such positional scarcity. We tend not to do it very accurately. Again, if you think you have a line on a running back that's being strongly undervalued in Dynasty specifically, so you weigh into value, weigh value into that, it's worth overdrafting a running back inside the top 12 wide receiver ADP. Yes, it is. But you have to know you're making that bet because if they don't, then they're not going to win the flex and you've probably washed, if it's a top three startup pick, some of the most significant value a dynasty roster can see away by make, taking that risk. Definitely take it if you feel strongly about it, but know that we should typically, on average, holistically, whatever word you want to say, um, lean wide receiver for the first three rounds. Just realize I've only got through the first two sections and I'm 23 minutes in. Speeding up. Um, 
in the running back dead zone, however, that I started to talk about, and it really represents or it shows up in rounds four to eight in dynasty ADP. Running backs fall on average by a larger round count. We've running backs that don't increase or maintain their draft round one year to the next year actually fall by four rounds or more, whereas wide receivers only fall by two rounds or more. So not only do they repeat at a higher rate, they fall not as far in the following year's ADP, which presumes that they maintain greater value as well. So rounds four to eight, running backs, uh, that's where the running back dead zone happens. And again, reach on a guy you feel very strongly on, always be willing to manage your risk and take your shot even if it's a running back dead zone you can take a running back in that zone but no holistically on average if all else is equal if you don't have a strong feeling about it rounds four to eight are also heavily a, a strong wide receiver round they maintain or increase in value 30.5 percent of the time since 2014 whereas running backs only maintain or increase in value 21 percent of the time and again notably they have a much lower floor in this range in that they drop if they don't hit or impress or feel like they paid off through that four to eight startup range, they drop by more than four rounds instead of just dropping by more than two. This was kind of part of my argument for Juju Smith-Schuster last year, where his floor was fairly safe. And while everyone and their brother is currently saying sell Juju Smith-Schuster, no one's really buying at the price that's going around. Believe me, I'm trying to buy. Everyone's saying sell isn't giving him up for nothing because he has a significant chance of being the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes. That's a pretty significant flaw for a guy who ultimately completely flopped last year. And he was being drafted in this range, which was part of the reason I was strongly in on him. That and his previous production history. His floor was decent. And that's true in the rounds four to eight as well. It's not just that they repeat or maintain that draft round. It's also that they don't fall as far if they miss. Again, player context should be taken into account. If you're drafting DeAndre Hopkins in this range, he's a much lower floor than someone who's 24 with a top 12 season on his record like Juju Smith-Schuster, just because of Dynasty's inclination towards devaluing people that are over 18 years old, basically. All right, the next section in our Dynasty startup after round the... after rounds four to eight, the running back dead zone, is um, actually an area I separated out and... Yeah, this one gets slightly complicated. But between nine, round 9 and 10, it's actually a, there's a very small tight end zone. Yeah, I know, weird that there's a tight end zone, but this is the only other place in the draft where we see a position repeat or maintain value above 40% of the time from one year to the next since 2014. Tight ends repeat or increase their draft round the following year 48.7% of the time. It's actually more than wide receivers in the first three rounds run to three. And that's crazy. It is a two-round window, and it's probably largely to do with a few tight ends who actually hit within that range, but it's relatively consistent over time. Um, there's also another range. There's an area of this draft that's rounds 9 to 10, the one I'm talking about, and also 13 to 14, where tight end ha- seems to have this weirdly elevated repeat or maintain value range from one year to the next. And so anywhere between this round 9 and 14 that you find a tight end that you feel particularly strongly about, I would consider drafting them very heavily, like reaching for them above ADP, trading in to get that tight end that you like in that range. Right now, in rounds 9 and 10 in May DLF ADP, the only two tight ends being drafted in that range are Mike Gusecki and Dawson Knox, neither of which I'm particularly excited about. Dawson Knox has a touchdown problem in that he was very 
very much too touchdown dependent last year. And I don't see a great way that he can increase his target share. And so his production is probably going to fall a little bit. Mike Gusecki has been a top 12 tight end for three years in the way top 12 tight ends feel terrible. On a per game basis, he's not been a top 12 tight end. He's only been a top 12 tight end once, I think, in the last three years. And the other two years were disappointing. He he becomes a top 12 tight end because everyone else gets injured or stops scoring points. And his overall stats making top 12, but it doesn't feel, it's not an every week starter. In fact, no one is outside of those early picks, outside of the Darren Wallers and the, uh, and the uh, Travis Kelsey's and maybe Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews's. So we're delving into an area of tight end where they are worth drafting because they maintain or increase in value and they're likely to score as fairly regular starter points, but they're not great. That other range that I was talking about runs 13 to 14, Right now, in DLF May ADP, there are actually three tight ends being taken. Trey McBride, David Njoku, and Zach Ertz. Now, I've dug through the draft boards through the years 2014 and 2022, but I don't want to read them all out to you here. You can check out my ranks sheet where all the ADP is stored uh, and my draft board is, and I might upload this whole thing to it just so anyone can dig through it if they want. But what I see digging back through... Um, various different draft boards is that this is a range in ADP where we take a lot of tight ends. We take the ones we're pretty confident are going to score us some points, the Mike Gusecki's of the world, or we take our shots, which means right now Mike Gusecki offers a really good value in that ninth round ADP as someone who's probably going to score you points, be a top 12 tight end in the way that they don't matter, but he's usable in fantasy, and players like Cole Commit, Albert O, Trey McBride, who are all being drafted between rounds 9 and 14, where we take our shots. And this is a range where we've had significant success at at least drafting guys at that position that maintain or increase a draft round the following year. And so in lieu of any significant hit rate, a wide receiver and running back in this range, again, make sure it's player specific. You take the players, you reach on the players you like based on individual context. But I think between round nine and even round 14, between nine and 14, you should be considering taking multiple, if not your very favorite tight end that's within that range. Even reach on a guy if he's slightly outside of that. Now, this area is slightly complicated because between the rounds 11 and 16, which includes that round 9 and 10, we have another zone going on around it where running backs are actually repeating or maintaining value at a higher rate than wide receivers. That's the only time in the draft that that actually happens on average since 2014. Now, I think it's important to note here that drafting more running backs and wide receivers is actually still a strong edge in Dynasty. On average, since 2014, we're drafting 111 wide receivers and only 86 running backs, which to me means nowhere near enough people have realized it's worth rostering more running backs on your bench than wide receivers. I feel that as someone takes increasingly heavy wide receiver shots and the deeper down the draft goes because it feels like they're more volatile, they're more sleepers, that's where the feeling that wide receiver is deep, even though it's not, comes from, or at least it's a knock-on effect of it. However, you should really be drafting more running backs. And between around 11 and 16, if you're not drafting a tight end, I think you should lean drafting a running back. They repeat or maintain value 29.2% of the time, whereas wide receivers only repeat or maintain value 22% of the time, which means there's, for the first time, a 7-9% to difference between running backs repeating or elevating value than wide receivers between rounds 11 and 16. 
So we should lean running back in this zone, especially since not enough people are drafting enough running backs in their startup draft. Those deep wide receivers, while I love them, they're not actually breaking out. Wide receivers come from nowhere less often than running backs do. Running backs come from nowhere to be fantasy significant inside an individual season, again borrowing from our NFL database, around 33% of the time, or 33% of significant fantasy seasons in an individual season, on average since 2000. Nine, I think it was, are coming from running back. And that's lower drafted prospects from round four to undrafted in the NFL draft compared to wide receivers where it's a much lower rate of around 22 to 27% depending on the year. So running backs come from nowhere more often. Not enough people are drafting enough running backs in startup drafts. And between around 11 and 16, even though you should be taking some tight end shots where you want, where your guys are falling to or above where your guys are predicted to by ADP, between, 11 round, between rounds 11 and 16, you should be heavily focusing running back. On average, holistically, not saying you have to just do it automatically in the same way that you have to not draft running backs rounds 4 to 8. But in rounds 11 and 16, that on average is your best shot for grabbing depth running backs that are significant to fantasy and actually increase or maintain value in Dynasty and based on ADP between 2014 and 2021. Who's being drafted in that range, you ask? Well, a lot. Obviously, it's a fairly big range, and that's also why I like it, because it gives you a lot of room to actually draft multiple running backs where not enough people are doing that in ADP. But some highlights are Isaiah Spiller, who fell in the NFL draft to the fourth round, but we liked a lot before we knew he was really slow at the combine. I tend not to think that affects his ability to at least put up production in the NFL. Also, Brian Robinson, Kenneth Gamewell, Naheem Hines as a receiving running back from round 15. Players like uh, Keontae Ingram, who's a deep fourth round ad in rookie drafts right now, and pretty much the only guy I want to draft in a fourth round of a rookie draft right now, and who's going to sit behind, he's Arizona, I believe, going to sit behind James Conner. Very significant size portfolio, portfolio, build and somewhat muted production but looking at the individual context of his production he's actually fairly interesting i'm not saying he's gonna hit he's a fourth round rookie pick undrafted into the nfl but he's in this range where we should be taking shots and that's a really interesting profile where running backs show up more often they can and earlier in their careers and also as injuries or just stagnation at a running back depth chart can lead a team to decide to give touches to a depth running back rather than them having to earn it through out-competing earlier drafted players. So, and there's also Khalil Herbert, um, who was a very impressive spot starter for David Montgomery last year. Again, he should be drafted this far significantly below David Montgomery, but in this range, his name sticks out as someone who's shown they can carry a load in the NFL if an opportunity occurs. Currently, Ingram hasn't. But we know that type of player can break out, and this is a range where we often find them according to value changes um, in DLF ADP. You also have some players like Cordell Patterson, who's largely just been forgotten about because it feels like a random example. Um, Melvin Gordon, who's being dropped mostly because of age, not because of his expectation of not having a significant share of the Denver offense, to be honest. Daryl Henderson, for a similar reason, although he... Obviously, hasn't been productive as Melvin Gordon over time. Alexander Madison, who used to be our favorite sleeper, or some people's favorite sleeper at the position. There's a lot of guys you might feel strongly or weakly about within this range, but between 11, rounds 11 and 16, 
you should really be focusing the running backs or occasionally the tight ends that you really want to draft and because this is where the majority um, of them increase or a higher percentage of them increase or maintain their value to the following season. So check out ADP or whatever table I post on Patreon or my MS uh, or my PA Howdy rank sheet where the draft board is literally set up for you all to see based on me or past year's ADP. Um, but also just know that of the sections in a dynasty draft, when you're doing a startup, between 11s and rounds, 11 and 16, strongly favor running back or occasionally tight end. It's a really good range for tight end too. After that, I just group the rest of the draft. Rounds 17 to 22, 24, 25. Some years I have rounds 25, some years I don't. So it's just after round 17. That's the flyer range, right? You just take anyone that you know you think you have, you can see something positive in their future potential. Again, we're back to wide receivers elevating or maintaining their value into the following year at a higher rate, but it's strongly for wide receivers at this point. Only 17% of running backs drafted rounds 12 or 17 to 22 uh, increase or maintain value. 27%, which is actually a fairly high percentage considering we just went through a down spiral for them between round 9 and 16, but 27% of wide receivers actually elevate or maintain their draft round between rounds 17 and beyond. And tight ends, it's back to the average around 26%. And so we're outside of that golden band where you can get your deep tight ends that actually turn out to be starters for you most of the time. All right, and that's those are the sections of a startup draft. Again, it's not what you have to do in every round. Exceptions should be made. You should make a decision based on the players available and how you feel about their individual situation, your individual evaluation of what that player is and what you expect them to do now and in the future. But I think there are very clearly defined areas in a draft, and it's not just one area where there's a running back, quote-unquote, dead zone. There are many other areas that are consistent in DLF ADP as providing value, despite the fact we continue to accurately, and we should continue to do that, modify the rate at which we're drafting different positions in different years based upon the available player pool. So just quickly, once again, the first round is just dealer's choice. Take the player that you think is more likely to maintain value and increase and, uh, uh, and, and actually score PPR points or any kind of points, to be fair. Um, but wide receivers do get an edge. When you break that end into a f- the first three rounds, wide receivers are where you should lean. But again, context prevails. Um, rounds four to eight, you should strongly consider going wide receiver again. So really rounds one to eight, wide receivers ran out. And they're never below a 30% repeat or maintain value rate, but you should be willing to take shots at running back. Rounds nine to 10, and in fact, 13 to 14, hidden in the next zone. But rounds nine to 10 is a really interesting place to take your favorite shot at tight ends. And rounds 11 to 16, again, occasional tight ends, but mostly draft running backs heavily between rounds 11 to 16. And after round 17, who cares? Take your favorite guy, to be honest, because most of them are probably not going to hit, but you can lean closer to wide receiver and tight end. And I really want to emphasize the fact we're drafting 86 running backs on average and only 111 wide receivers on average means that one of the things that we might think is old hat by now, well known and well established, isn't. 
we're still drafting way too many wide receivers compared to running backs, whereas opposed to earlier in the draft last year, we were drafting way too many running backs compared to wide receivers. Now, throughout the entirety of the draft, too many running backs are remaining on the waiver wire, and too many wide receivers are coming off it in startup drafts. In my opinion, because of the increased uh, from nowhere rate of the running back position. All right, I think that's it. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting into seasonal projections for Patreon. We did a live stream. We talked about things I could add to it. That's about to go up on Patreon for actual Patreons. But this stuff, most of the stuff I post on Patreon, I'm going to post the table of lessons learned for going through DLF ADP with just in case reading off the information was too much for you and the picture might help. It would help me. I'm very visual. And um, I post that on Patreon and a small write up with it. And so you can check that out there. Or you can check out my live stream yesterday talking about projections. That's also free on YouTube, obviously. Um, and tonight, uh, on every Wednesday at 9.30, I go live for the Dynasty Grind with Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies and Russ Fisher, Dynasty Outhouse from the Dynasty Trade Podcast. Yeah, that's what they call themselves. So check me out any of those places. Really appreciate you listening. Sorry it's a little bit late, but I really wanted to dig back into ADP to find good zones, good holistic lessons to help guide as a background how to do a startup draft because increasingly startup drafts are the questions I'm getting more and more. So hopefully that's somewhat helpful. And um, hit me up on Twitter at PA Howdy if you have any actual direct questions rather than, you know, where's the picture you mentioned or something like that because that's on Patreon. And I will, for free, <laughs> to be fair, um, and I will talk to you again next week. I got to get out here and get ready for that live stream. So. Appreciate it. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.